Welcome to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. This is the only podcast that gives you a raw and unfiltered perspective of what it's really like to be a professional cheerleader. Whether you're currently on a pro team, an alumni, or really curious about what it takes to become a pro cheerleader, the Pro Cheerleading Podcast gives you all the inside scoop and hot topics in the pro cheerleading industry and in-depth interviews of current and former cheerleaders. I'm your host, Makiba. Join me every Wednesday as I reveal the truth behind the palms. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. I'm excited to talk to you guys about this double episode you're going to get this week. Um, I hope you guys are having a wonderful day. I'll just start with my day. I had my performance review with my boss today. It's been just over a year since I've been at my current job. And you guys know how that goes. It's just kind of like a lot of nerves because you don't really know if they're about to say something that you don't want to hear or just what kind of feedback you'll get. I think it went well, you know. I mean, it's been a busy year and a lot happened. I learned a lot and it went well, but it just made me think of just like all of that angst that builds up towards that initial conversation, especially when you're starting a new job. But it also made me think about like, gosh, in our space, like with Pro Cheer, like do we ever have any sort of mechanism to provide feedback like the other direction where our directors get to hear from us about how good of a job we think they're doing. And these are thoughts that are running through my head, of course, as I'm getting my performance review. Um, You know, they call them 360s where you give your boss some feedback. And not that I had anything critical to say, but as I was preparing for this episode, I was just like, I wonder if we ever really have a safe path to kind of give feedback in terms of how our directors are doing as managers. And it made me also think of the amazing interview with Sabrina Ellison um, and just the overwhelmingly positive feedback she got from her dancers. So I don't know if you guys, I realized that with the podcast that I have not interviewed any NFL directors, not really like anything intentional. It's just been um, relatively easy to hear from the NBA directors in this space. But I'm curious, you know, for the NFL, um, I know I've tried to reach out to a couple of directors, but you guys know that this is kind of a, you tell me what you think and doesn't have to go anywhere. But I'm curious, you know, if you guys feel like you have a relationship with your directors where you can um, raise any concerns and issues. I know when we interviewed Candace, like a couple, like a couple years ago, please, that was last year. <laughs> but just like trying to understand like that give and take in terms of communication. And it sounded like it was pretty open on the Washington football team with their director. But let us know, you know, like... How you guys feel about that? Like, is it open enough where you can bring things to the forefront that you're concerned about? Do you fear, you know, retaliation, getting any kind of trouble, being pegged as a troublemaker? Because I think, you know, that's the hard part. There were a couple things. You guys know my mouth. I don't really hold back what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling at any given point. Um, It wasn't so much in my relationship with my manager, but just how I felt about the company as a whole. And, you know, there is that concern, and it's relatively reasonable to be concerned about being pegged as somebody who's not drinking the Kool-Aid. And I don't typically drink the Kool-Aid, and I think, you know, you just have to be mindful of that consequence, if you will, for speaking out. But it just made me think about it. It's on my mind. I'm still processing my review, but you guys let me know, you know, do you feel empowered to speak up to your directors? Do you have a really, really awesome, amazing director that you think would be an 
awesome guest on the show. Let me know. I'm happy to reach out and see what they say. But I think it's good for us to be able to voice those, con- not even concerns. It's like feedback, positive praise, um, things they can work on. And maybe we'll just have like a director feedback-ish episode where we talk about what we wish they would consider or what we wish they knew in terms of how we felt in a very like anonymous way, right? Where nobody's putting their self on front street. So just a thought came across my mind today, like I said, from having my review. But, uh, you know, it is the week of Thanksgiving. I hope everybody is like staying put not necessarily traveling or being extremely safe when they travel and just you know being mindful that this is a time to be with your family and loved ones in spirit and hopefully just as safe as possible in person i'm laying really low i will say every year i make this five cheese macaroni and cheese it's hella good everybody loves it that's kind of the one dish i have to bring to everything and i'm actually going to miss it because I I don't want to cook the whole dang on meal. Like I talked to the kids and I was just like, do you guys really want to do Thanksgiving? Thinking they'd be like, oh no, we don't need to. And of course they want to eat all the food in the house. So I'm making a mini Thanksgiving dinner with some yams, mac and cheese and a turkey breast. And just God help me through it because I like making one dish and eating everybody else's cooking. That's, that's my jam. But anyway, I hope you guys do have a safe one. I figured should I take the week off or should I, but I'm just so dang on excited about this episode. We're interviewing Kayla Marie Jackson. Um, she is a, an artist, a performer, actress, you name it. She's all over Cisco, the choreographer's um, Instagram today. She put out her whole body, yaddy, yaddy challenge and she's just super talented. And like I told you guys before, you know, our conversation spanned over hours and she's just got lots of you know, experience from her transition dancing for the Atlanta Hawks and building a commercial career and resume that's pretty dang on impressive. So excited to share that with you while you have the whole weekend to eat and hopefully work out, dance, take some classes, work it off. You can also just listen to this episode. Um, Let's talk about, for Cheer Chat, the poll of the week. I was not trying to stir up controversy. I admit that I personally was all caught up in this other challenge that was out like right before um, Megan's song came out, but it was one by Bria Woods. I'm assuming I'm saying her name right, but she's a choreographer, creative, singer, actress, you name it. Or not the actress, she's a dancer. But anyway, she did one of the Petey Pablo's like um, How You Like It song from way back when, and it was just a good old twerk, not ratchet, but just, you know, fun, fun, fun. Lots of videos that were coming up for that challenge. And then here we get hit with the body yachty challenge. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, you know, of course, nobody that I follow that's a pro dancer or cheerleader currently on a team has posted anything like that. But I was just like, okay, I wonder if this is something that we would ever, that we wish we could partake in, that we absolutely wouldn't touch with a 10 foot pole. And then the only reason why I posted the question of like, is it too much or is it just all in fun was because uh, Jaquel Knight, he's amazing, choreographer, creative. I mean, he's done, if you don't know who he is, look him up. I mean, there's just the resumes this long. But uh, he had posted some of the people who were participating in the challenge, doing the choreography from Megan Thee Stallion's uh, performance and the video. And the first video was of a of a kid, I don't know how old, and she's just doing, and I'm not going to dance, oh my god, I'm not, but she's just doing the challenge, not twerking, it was just all of the legwork in the very beginning, and, and it just made me pause because, like, 
we know that this isn't for kids, right? Like it's not intended for them, but they're the first ones to catch on to something, right? And it just made me think like, is it getting a little too overly sexualized and knowing that it's just so accessible. Somebody wrote in and mentioned that, that um, she teaches second grade, but it's like really, really easy for these kids to like watch their older siblings or shit, watch their mama, I don't know, and pick up and soak it up like a sponge. And, you know, I don't want to sound old or old fashioned, but it's just kind of like, okay, these challenges like take on their own steam. And like, you know, if you see like an 80 year old grandma doing it, it'd probably be like, oh my gosh, you know, it's, everybody's just having fun with it. So it's kind of cuts both ways. I try not to judge. I know I'm sensitive about kids and what they're exposed to and, or just at least just having a conversation. And I had to think back, like with my daughter, Simone, I'm sure she's seen me doing quite a few dances over the years. And she's never really like caught on to try to like do anything like that. And she would die about even trying to do a challenge um, with me today or anything like that. But it just makes you think like, would I want her emulating me in that way when it's not really like age appropriate but again it makes you feel like a grammy but i just wanted to hear you guys' thoughts on it because i'm definitely not one it's fun to watch it's fun to see people get like united around dancing it's good to see people dancing and having fun with choreography it's just you know when you think about what we're consuming especially in terms of social media it's a lot of just a lot of that and i was curious how you guys felt about it so let's see the last time i checked 40% 40% said it is too much, and 60% said, no, it's all in fun. So I think that speaks for itself in terms of like how this community feels. I think, you know, there's just, there's a balance and, you know, you guys each have your own brand with your following. And if you're doing the challenges or if you're, you know, promoting anything on your own social media, I mean, it speaks to a very broad audience. So you just have to, I guess, be mindful of that, but have fun with it if you're doing it. I think it's, amazing choreography and everybody's body looks amazing and blah 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 but I had to ask that question to this group because you know we always have that like image to uphold and all those things and is it something that you wish you could do but you know you can't because you'll clearly get in trouble (laughs) but that's another thing that was so cool about talking to Kayla was just that when you are an artist and you're taking on different jobs or you're wanting to kind of break that mold it's almost like you know being a Disney kid actor or actress and then wanting to take on roles that put you in different lights and where it really challenges and pushes you. And I think that's just something that um, you'll hear in the interview with her, just like how to kind of break that mold and really put yourself in different settings and environments where you can showcase a lot more diversity as an artist. And I think that's something that you are limited from when you're on an approach your team or dance team. I mean, let's be real. I'm trying to think if when I was dancing with the Seahawks, if I put any sort of dance challenge, like a heels class, like things. Well, actually I did do... Let me think about it. I did the Aisha Francis class. I felt like on top of the world, this was like years ago. Man, I sure as hell posted that stuff on Facebook. I was just so excited because I got to take class with her and she's so freaking amazing that I think I forgot about anything and everything. It's not like I was half dressed, but, um, but there's just those things that you have to think about, especially when you are representing a brand on whether it's your own brand or your pro sports team. But I had to put that question out there. I love hearing from you guys and what your thoughts are. And I think people were cool with it, except just, you know, when you see kids consuming it in a way that, you know, it's just conflicting in terms of the message that it sends. So what else did I want to talk about? Because it's Thanksgiving, you know, I, I just wanted to reflect a little bit, not to get mushy, but 
you know, this has been a rough year and everybody's tired of talking about it and we're almost at the end, right? We're almost in December, but I am trying to be in a space of gratitude and I just want to say that, you know, things are just starting to, I won't even say like make sense. I mean, I'm not trying to get philosophical either, but you know, you go through different hardships and struggles in life and it's preparing you in some weird way that you can't make sense of at the time, but it's almost just like it's building towards something bigger, something greater. And I don't know what that is, what that looks like. I think it's been a really tough year, but I'm I'm just grateful for, you know, the space to reflect on what I'm even grateful for. I think it's just your perspective of how you want to look at life and promise and hope, you know, and I don't ever want to reach a space too long where I kind of lose hope for my future and, you know, thinking about my kids' future. And I know it's really ugly right now, but I'm thankful there's been space to think about what all we've been through and just thinking that there's going to be light at the end of this freaking tunnel. Like I just refuse to believe otherwise. I think we're, it's just been a slow moving process, but we're going to get there. And I'm just, I'm thankful for it. I'm, I'm thankful for all the lessons that I've been able to learn along the way and the tighter relationships that I have with my friends and family. And I just encourage everybody to reflect on that too over this holiday weekend. I know it may not be the way that you would like to spend the holidays, Again, I'd rather eat everybody else's food and be in my good company of my family, uh, my larger family, but grateful for life. I'm grateful for the people that are in it, and that includes you guys. And I'm thankful for another season. I, I still can't stress it enough that there's a lot of good things coming your way. And I look forward to sharing that with you. I booked, I'm sorry, I have to share it because it's just exciting, but the hair episode, I got my panel together and I'm so freaking excited. We're going to be taping next weekend just exciting things coming. And I think it'll be good content, good food for thought for us as we finish up this freaking 2020. I hope you guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Be safe, travel safe, eat wonderfully, cook well, (laughs) wish me luck with my meal tomorrow and uh, enjoy this two-part episode. There's plenty of time to consume it over the weekend and let me know your feedback and show our girl Kayla Marie some love. Hi there, Kayla. Nice to finally meet you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Such a long day, I bet. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's been a long week for me. Already. Today, yes. Yeah, today was like a relaxation day. I didn't get up until one o'clock, maybe, um, because I've been on set for longer than I was supposed to. So we were over time. Mm-hmm. Um, for a music video and then we were in rehearsals and stuff the other day and then I had rehearsal yesterday for something else for another shoot so you know busy busy so <laughs> I mean so much to like get into and I tend to be all over the place <laughs> you have such an incredible background and resume and you know how you transitioned from being a pro dancer in NBA to being such a successful commercial dancer. I don't even know the technical terms for these things, right? But you... Yeah, you commercial dancer. <laughs> yeah, that's but correct. I'm just so excited about this topic. I know we connected a while back and it's just... I know. I know people want to be able to do potentially after they retire. And so I'm just so excited to hear all about your background and welcome officially to the Pro Cheerleading Podcast. You guys, I have Kayla Jackson here. She's a former Atlanta Hawks dancer for five years, captain as well. And she has made a successful transition as a commercial dancer. 
her resume is insane. Her credits are <laughs> insane. I am just, I'm a fan already and I haven't even seen all your work, but we're going to get into everything. I just yes. want to welcome you officially. And I have to ask, let's just start with this because you're in Atlanta, correct? Mm -hmm. And what is it like down there? Is it just like the Rona doesn't exist or, you know, I'm a little bit of a hypochondriac. So I've been in my house um, and, you know, I've been a little scared because I do want to go back to working the way that I was working before COVID hit. So I've been in the house. Um, I've taken the COVID test twice and I quarantine. Um, and then for like work, they require you to show COVID paperwork. Um, I know I recently had an audition and in the description for the commercial, they stated that talent would have to take another COVID test outside of my industry, COVID don't exist. So, wow. you know. <laughs> I mean, I had been hearing, I have a few friends in Atlanta, but I just, you Oh, know. yeah, girl. <sighs> Everything's packed like it's normal, so. Yeah. You just gotta protect yourself. Yeah, seriously, it's not a joke at all. So we'll touch on that throughout because I know you're coaching as well and you're mentioning a virtual season. Yes. Mahogany and motion dancers. So we're going to get into everything. And if we go like this, we just go like this. I know. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start out because your background in training is phenomenal. Can you please just tell us how you got started in dance, um, where you trained, and just how you built the foundation to be able to have a career in dance as amazing as yours has been? So I started dancing since I was two years old. I started dancing because I had cousins on both my mom and dad's side of the family who were professional dancers at the time. Um, my cousin Kendra Moore, she was dance captain for the Lion King and now she's a manager. And then my cousin Chrislyn World, she danced with Avi and um, she also was a backup dancer for Stevie Wonder. They both have like crazy credits, but those are like their big, you know, name to fame um, thing. So when I was little, they told my mom that I had a dancer body and put me in a dance. So I started off training at this place called City Ballet Theater. Um, and that transitioned me into dancing. This was in Milwaukee um, with Milwaukee Ballet Dance School. So that's where I got all of my ballet training. Um, when I was about the age of eight years old, I auditioned for Debbie Allen Dance Academy. Um, and that's back when you had to send in a VHS tape and, you know, film yourself on a camcorder and submit to be picked as an academy member. So I did that every summer. So from the age of nine all the way until like high school, I was basically bi-coastal going between Wisconsin, so Milwaukee Ballet, spending all my school years in Milwaukee and then training there. And then also going to LA for four months out the year to train at Debbie to get training in ballet, jazz, modern, tap, hip hop, flamenco, dunham, character, point, literally every style. Yeah. Musical theater. Debbie's really big on everyone being triple threat. So she made sure we had voice lessons, acting lessons, and dance and could do like contortion work and literally everything. So you can book every job everything. yeah wow exactly. that was one of my questions in terms of just how you prepared for you know acting roles but you've been doing this mm -hmm. i had so my first acting and modeling agent when i was about seven or eight but that agency was in chicago so it's about an hour drive so i was doing like little things here and there but nothing as big as i have been doing for the last few years wow Okay, so let me digest that. So obviously, you know, training with 
I mean, amazing <laughs> Academy with Debbie. I mean, what is Debbie Allen like? I just want to. Debbie is amazing. I <laughs> love Debbie. You know what's crazy is I used to cry every summer to my mom, like, Mom, let me stay in LA, please. And she I'll never let me. No. <laughs> she never let me because I was the only child. And I don't think my mom understood the importance of, you know, back then i mean she understood and i guess in her mind she's like well you're getting amazing training at milwaukee ballet why do you need to stay with debbie but debbie's kind of like someone's mother you know like she loves every student like their blood um she would always invite us over to her house we would have fourth of july or birthday parties i always have my birthday party during academy so like we were all like a big family you know and you get to meet all of her celebrity friends they're always coming to the shows they're always popping up in the studio i remember the beyonce tour audition was going on when i was a little girl i'm pretty sure it was like the Beyonce I Am Tour audition, because it was when Beyonce did a gold member movie. So it was around that same time. Okay. But she was hosting auditions there. So being able to see the industry going on, like as a child, it was really cool. But yeah, she's hard. Like she's not, she's, she's loving. But okay. imagine like your loving mother who really wants the best for you. Right. It's not always, you know, you kicks and giggles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, as a matter of comparison, I think it's probably good for people just in terms of the comparison, because I think, you know, with our industry, there is a lot of critique of your body or your performance and aspects and things like that. And, you know, obviously one team that comes to mind, the Cowboys cheerleaders and how they've historically been um, with their show, just very harsh. And is there a difference that you would say between like getting some tough criticism? I think anything in the entertainment industry can be very nitpicky on you know everything because there's always going to be a typecast in our industry in general we have to play a role we have to fulfill a role so whatever that role may be mm -hmm. you as the artist or the talent have to understand that you know that's what you're going in for you know is to play a role you know coming outside of yourself now the beauty of it um and i would say now that i've done pro world as well as be a part of the other side of entertainment is that you don't need to change yourself to fit into that role can you expand on that How a lot of times of what i've seen most recently is that a lot of girls alter themselves so much so much that they forget who they are um, especially with trying to enter the pro dance world they believe that this is what the status quo is and then they try to emulate that or dance like this or look like this or change themselves thinking that this is what the organization wants but in reality the organization wants you like I tell girls every year they have auditions because they have a need right. if they didn't have a need they wouldn't have auditions meaning um, excuse my dog in the background, guys, if you okay. hear him barking from time to time. But um, yeah, they wouldn't have auditions if they didn't have a need. So at the end of the day, you have to be yourself because there's no one else like you, you know, and you have to make them believe that what you have to offer fits their aesthetic. Yeah. And that goes for every job I've ever had. It's like if I didn't get the job, it's literally because it wasn't for me. It wasn't because I didn't show up as my best self. It's literally because it wasn't for me. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to walk away from that. Because if you're anything like myself, like I, I try to work very hard to make sure that I control everything that I can possibly control and everything else that's out of my control. I'm like, well, 
that's out of my control. Like there's been jobs that I've been put on hold and on hold for everyone listening, um, being on hold, especially in the industry means you get on a soft book. So you know that they want you, um, you're going through the process of possibly, you know, booking the job, but you know, they're still trying to creatively trying to figure out, you know, what they want. There's a few jobs that I've been on hold for and I've gotten released and it could be something as simple as my hair color or something as simple as I'm too tall. I'm too short. I don't fit the outfit that they have. You know what I mean? Like there are already things creatively that you have to fit the mold into and it has nothing to do with you. So you have to kind of go into every audition opportunity, whether it's pro cheer, pro dance, or, you know, a commercial job or a theater job or, you know, a, a concert dance job. And just know that as long as you put your best foot forward, everything else is out of your control and just know that you know it has nothing to do with you no that's great advice because i, I didn't even think about that in terms of what typecasting means like mm-hmm. how specific and detailed it is down to so i don't know who the creative directors are that are kind of like fabricating this role that they want someone very very specific to fill but that's great advice because i think curious to get your thoughts on this too because like with audition prep companies that are like sprouting up everywhere and everybody's trying to help people get on teams, which is great in terms of understanding like the techniques, the dance style, mm-hmm. et cetera. But I think sometimes in the back of my mind, I'm always like, hopefully everybody's not getting the impression that they all have to look the same mm-hmm. to deliver at an audition, like what teams are looking for. I mean, you want to mm-hmm. match the style of the team that you're auditioning for and be strong in what they're strong in, et cetera. But right. I just feel like it's almost like there's just this mass announcement of like, this is what pro dance, pro cheer is, looks like. So I don't know if you've noticed that too. So, you know, it's great that we're having this conversation because I'm not attached to any teams right now. <laughs> <laughs> so we, me neither. That's why it can be the yeah, truth. Um, Obviously, if you're part of a team, it does get. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. So what I will say is that when I first auditioned for the hot. I will say that there was definitely an aesthetic that they were going for. Um, You know, like we can call that the creative direction of the team, right? There was an aesthetic. That aesthetic changed and it also changed along with ownership. So, you know, you still have girls who are still seeking that aesthetic auditioning for the new creative direction of the team. And it's not matching the new aesthetic of the team, you know? So you go from apples and oranges to grapes and tomatoes you know what I mean it's just very it's so different and I think that change has shifted within the entire spectrum of like the pro world where the aesthetic of what we knew was you know what that pro cheerleader looked like is changing and it's shifting constantly so that's one thing as far as the prep programs I think prep programs are great however I believe that everyone who participates in these prep programs glorify them to the point where they are no longer focusing on the reason why they're auditioning is because they love to dance and they are not putting themselves in a mindset of i love to dance they're putting themselves in a mindset of i'm trying to make this team so whatever they're going to do i'm going to pay whatever money to make this team so i have a mentorship program called Extensions Dance Teak, where I mentor girls who want to make a transition from pro to industry or or get into pro, but who have a aspiration to dance, you know, just dance, you know? So um, it's called Extensions? 
Mm -hmm. extensions dance teak and so I have a few girls that I've mentored recently but like it's literally like a mindset thing um what I've noticed with a lot of the girls that I've talked to is that they were so focused on making the team that they forgot about being a versatile dancer and what that looked like they forgot about what happens if I don't make the team what do I do they forgot about being themselves and doing and listening to so many people telling them what to do that they forgot what they wanted to do and so I think that the prep programs are great and I think they're great for refining dancers but I don't believe that dancers and artists I I like to call people artists need to focus on these programs to make them a great candidate for a team because that's not what it's for it's literally prepping you to make a team it's like if I already have the hot dog and the hot dog bun I'm literally putting some relish and some onion and, you know, I'm just putting a little sprinkles on top and helping you get to that next level versus, oh, girl, cook the hot dog. We got to make our own bread. That's too much. I feel like girls need to get in the mind and guys now need to get in the mindset of if I'm trying to dance, why are you waiting to the last minute to prep? Why are you spending a thousand dollars to prep six months in advance? You should be training and conditioning year round, regardless if you make a team or not. Because now so many teams have had auditions and or announced that they're not taking girls back. And it's like, what's next for you? Are you not going to train? Are you going to sit at home and not work out? And then now we've gotten a hold on Corona and now they're having auditions in person again. And you spent the whole year not dancing, not training. And then let's hope that, like I know with the Hawks, we've gone from being more like, sassy to more hip-hop so what if you are this dancer who's coming from a um, competition background and all you know is palm but you're auditioning for the hawks and their first round is hip-hop now so now you're like crap i haven't been in hip-hop class i don't even know how to move this fast you know i don't even know what this what commercial hip-hop looks like you know so i think that's where the issue is i think that there needs to be more around what is the purpose behind why you want to be on the team? And if it's because you want to be a dancer, which it should be for everybody. So anyone listening, y'all shouldn't be auditioning for these teams just to be on a team. But, (laughs) but, you know, if your passion is dancing, then you shouldn't let not making a team or being on a team being the only reason why you pursue your passion. Even those girls listening who are on teams, you need to be taking class too every day because Shoot, I'm in an industry where my job is here today and gone tomorrow. Because you have to stay. Who did I hear? On, it was Brandy Evans, but I, I remember her saying something like, you know, you, even if you book a job, you're best basically still, you, it means nothing. You have to Girl, keep when I booked my first tour, when I tell you I felt I had anxiety every day until like the 10th show, I didn't know if I was going to get cut. Mm, oh my gosh. Oh God, that makes me cringe thinking about it. You have like, a job that you'll be cut from it too. I cried so much in the beginning of that tour process because I legit did not know if I was going home because of so many, so many OGs would talk to me about tour and they're like, don't be that girl. You know what I mean? They're like, in the first few days, you know, the first few shows, don't tell nobody that you booked this tour. Just ride the tour out, just perform, do what you got to do. And then once you make it to that fifth show, then you know you're good. But you really never know because literally that the choreographer could be back in the home base training another girl. They could fly that girl out tomorrow, tell you to go home and put you on a a flight the next day. Stop. 
okay see this is gonna be so yeah. easy i'm sorry i'm like wait a minute they do that like that's that's, that's like being on a team and that, you know, and that happens on jobs um super bowl these big jobs mm-hmm. where you're on you know you're on a job for a very long time so you got super bowl vmas these award shows you know where you're in rehearsal for long periods of time before you like you know hit they can literally replace you tomorrow. They can be like, eh, we're not feeling her. We're bringing in Susie tomorrow. We're bringing in Adam. Wow. You can mess up. If you mess up, okay, um, sorry, you, you got to go home. Stop. So how, okay, okay, okay. So <laughs> that level of perfection, like even like perfection in rehearsals, because it's not like you learn something, you can mess it up a couple of times. Like you really are like on the entire time then to actually show how you perform in a tour with no mistakes. How do you train for this? How do you like do this? That's, and that's why, I mean, you have to always be training. So yes. like it's mind over matter, you know? Yes, has to be. Um, it's mind over matter. Literally, if you're constantly training and working on your craft, your ability to pick up choreography is going to be seamless. Your ability to remain, you know, calm instead of like having anxiety when you're picking up different formations and directions is still going to be seamless. Um, And of course, like choreographers have grace. They understand. You know what I mean? So it's not like, oh, my God, you learn it today. And and if you mess up, I'm sending you home. (laughs) No. It's one of those you have to be consistent. Got it. You know, and that and that's what I'm saying. Like I try to help, like even like my little mentees, you know, who are on the team with me. I try to explain to them the importance of consistency. Like my director can tell you one thing that I was on the team when I was on Hawks. I was always consistent, and that's why I was able to reach the level of success I was. Is because of my consistency. You know, and so that is something that I really try to let girls know with everything, especially in this industry, is that as long as you're consistent, people are going to work with you. Yeah. Whether you're on a team or not on a team, whether you're training to be on a team, you got to be consistent. So they know what to expect you when they book you for jobs. like Exactly. And then that goes for girls auditioning or guys auditioning for these pro teams. If you're consistent in your training and you're studying who you're auditioning for, you know, and you're adamant about making sure that you understand what you're walking into. Yeah. Instead of waiting until the last minute and just being like, I'm going to sign up for this prep program and then being upset at the people doing the prep programs for you not making a team because of your lack of consistency. Mm. You are preaching. This is going to be a nugget after <laughs> nugget for people. But this is so good because I think for people who, you know, you just went through this crazy Rona virtual auditions process. You know, not everybody obviously made teams, you know, right. shrunk so they can accommodate whatever they're exactly. for restrictions. And I think there's probably a lot of people floating. Um, exactly. Figuring out what their next move is. And maybe like mm-hmm. you said, centering yourself to like, why you like to dance, why you, mm-hmm. what you're in it for so that you can kind of dedicate to that craft and really act accordingly because it's literally exactly. in your soul that you want to dance. It's just your mindset 365 days-ish a year. Literally, it's a mindset thing. It's mind over matter. And once you lock in, everything is smooth selling. Yeah, yeah. Everything, everything is smooth selling. You got to lock in, you got to be focused. So let's go back to like your backgrounds in chronological order. So you were in college and mm-hmm. you did, oh my God, like my dream to just 
be an HBCU dancer. I I had one episode dedicated to it and I just was like cheesing the whole time, but you danced for Mahogany Emotion. For Morehouse College. Mahogany Emotion, we're Spelman College students who dance for Morehouse College because we're all girls school institution and Morehouse, they're all male institutions. So all their cheerleaders do everything together. Got it, got it. And you did that all four years while you were in school? Well, three years. Um, My first year at Spelman, I did Spelman Dance Theater for a semester. And then the second semester, I auditioned for Mahogany Emotion. Because we have a rule, we don't let freshmen dance. Really? Well, there's a lot to No. Okay. We want them to focus on developing their academics and everything. We allow them to be banner girls, but we don't allow them to dance. Okay. I know they changed the rule when I left for a little bit, but then they changed it back to how it was when I was there because they felt like it was just, you know, more important for freshmen to just allocate that first year to their studies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I danced for three seasons. Okay. No, that's mm-hmm. great. So then you had that experience as well. as Exactly. Kind of like- and that was totally different from what I was used to. <laughs> oh, really? Let's talk yeah. about that. I wouldn't think about that. So it's yeah. a very unique style and it's not... Yeah. Talk about that transition. So Mahogany Emotion, we're known for our technique on the field. When people think about Mahogany, we're like trained dancers who can, you know, we turn and do tricks and everything on the field. As far as the stands and the marching, I I never knew that I was going to have to learn how to do all of that. Um, Mm -hmm. I always say that I learned how to have like sex appeal from dancing in the stands because they always used to tell us to, you know, look out in the crowd and lock eyes with someone and make them your boyfriend by the end of the, you know, by the time you're done, you know? And and, um, I really, I feel like I really learned how to come into my womanness and, and still be a woman and very sassy and just, you know, really kind of like command attention without doing too much. I also learned how to be like a lady. Like I really do appreciate Mahogany for that. We're really big on like dedication, determination, and discipline, which is something that I've actually learned when I was little and I never knew it was going to come back. You know, dancing in the band is very strict, you know, everything's symmetrical. And that's just not with the dance team. That's with the drum majors. That's with the rest of the band, every section, you know, we're on a grid when we're marching, we have to learn how to cut sharp corners. You know, you also have to learn how to use your space and dance big because, you know, a lot of these stadiums are large and you have to be able to dance to the top of the stadium versus to just your audience. So I feel like I really um, increased my showmanship and learned how to dance bigger because I was coming from concert dance where I'm only dancing this little box. I had to learn yeah. yeah, I had to really use my whole body, which is actually opposite from Hawks. I had to learn how to dance cleaner. Oh. <laughs> cleaner. Cleaner. Yeah. So like well, describe what that means. So dancing on mahogany, it's a team, but I still was able to dance like myself. You know, like I didn't I was still able to like, you know, add my little sauce into certain things, you know. And then when you're on a team, depending on who your director is or depending on what the organization wants or your captain, especially like pro teams, they're really big on like clean lines, clean arms. Everyone's thumbs need to be tucked in. Everyone's finger needs to be turned a certain way, you know, because it's all about pictures. Yeah. 
And, you know, one thing I always remember is that the average person at a basketball or football game is not going to know that I did a double turn and did something amazing. Right. But they're going to know if my arm's out of place. Yeah. Like, what's that girl doing over there? On the- yeah, yeah, but they're not going to know that I just did a whole backflip. They're not going to know that I did some crazy trick. I had to learn how to be, you know, on this mark at this time. And, you know, on the floor of a basketball court, it's gridded but it's um, shorter than a football field. So from dancing with mahogany where everything's big and showgirl and then dancing, you know, closer in, I had to learn how to command that small space again, but still dance big so that becomes an arena. Yeah, so it's definitely a lot of like crossover that I had to kind of like take into place, but Mm -hmm. you know, it was just like taking little bits from each part of my journey and applying it to where, where I was. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that we're talking about this because these are all the little details that I get excited about because I'm a nerd, I guess. But, you know, like there, there are times I will say, and I can appreciate like right now we're doing this pro dance team playoff. Yeah. Girl, you need some NBA judges on that panel. Yes. It ended up being heavy on the NFL side and I'm still trying to like tap into more of like who's who. Like I'm just now learning through this whole competition, like who the directors are for different teams. Oh, yeah. But it's just been really, really interesting to watch all the performances and seeing the importance of being clean. But Mm -hmm. then part of me is also watching and just, I always look for like that one person that gives a little extra um, Mm -hmm. little sauce on top. Maybe that's because that's the kind of dancer that That I was. That was me. That's me too. I do the same thing. I got in trouble for it for some time. I took the L and still lived my life on the court. And, you know, like. Moment performing, I, that's when I get lost. So I'll end up doing lost. something that I'm not planning on doing. But, you know, yeah. still that I'm adding a little. I'm probably a little judge. Yeah. yeah. A little, little something, something. Oh, yeah, that's definitely uh. me. <laughs> that's definitely me. And it was, it's fun because. During my time on Hawks, like I had a few teammates who were the same way. So we would do extra stuff in the tunnel, you know? So, yeah. I, you know, my director knew that, okay, Kayla might do a little too much in the tunnel. So I'm going to just let it be for the tunnel. But Kayla, you better do them clean when we go on the court, you know? Um, <laughs> well, because I think, that, like you said earlier, just about your own sense of individuality and what you bring. Yeah. It's funny because it just goes, it teeters back and forth of like, it does. That to like you kind of like taming that so that you can all appear as one. And Exactly. You just have to find your moments. And like I would tell, like when I was captain, I would always tell girls like, if we have freestyle moments, freestyle. Yeah, that's your freestyle. moment to shine. That is yeah. your moment to shine. You know, like we would throw t-shirts and stuff. And I don't believe, you know, our director enjoyed that we used that opportunity to freestyle how we want it and so one girl was like do you think I can like throw an aerial I was like why not do it you know if it messes up the first time just don't ever do it again you know what I mean right just just go for it however when that was happening I was more in the industry and I was starting to transition over so my perception of what a freestyle was had changed from the step clap throw hair to the get more you know what I mean because my perception had changed so it it was important for me to kind of share that perception as I was learning about what a freestyle really looked like Mm -hmm. or what it could be or what it could grow to be depending on you know your space so yeah all these little nice details that's what I love about talking to people because you just never really know where the conversation will go but these are just such like 
again, just things that people can think about in their performance value. Exactly. Because I know being at games is definitely <laughs> games too, where it's like, like you said, the step clap, that's very, and some are maybe more rigid about what that looks like in the freestyle moments, but they're just so, so many times where I'm like searching for somebody to do something that gives me like, oh, I like that one. Like you have to, you have to be empowered. Like, I think that so many times we're placed in a box and that goes with any type of team, whether it's a HBCU dance team, whether it's a pro dance team, whether it's a competition dance team. When you have pockets where you can show originality, I think it's very important to encourage it yeah. and not be afraid. But that also comes with taking class and exploring or freestyling at home and exploring what being free is. Yes. Ugh. And that's, that's a mental thing, too. I don't want to go too deep on you, but, you know. <laughs> but no, you're so right, because that's what's going to, that's what's going to fill your spirit and soul and, like, come out of you when you're really, when you're, like, when you're in that mindset and you've allowed yourself the freedom of dancing in that, in whatever way. That's exactly. Like, a lot of times you have to explore who you are in order to exhibit who you want to be exhibited as like who you want to be displayed as and the reason why I think it's so difficult for dancers to freestyle in any avenue is because they really haven't explored themselves and they place themselves in a box that someone else wants them to be in that they don't even know what it means to be free like they don't even know that they really might like to step clap and that's what being free is where the girl or guy next to them likes to backflip or, you know, just like to stand and give a face and give a shoulder. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, you have to learn how to be a free thinker and think for yourself. But if you are not free within your daily walking life, it's going to be difficult for you to tap into accepting who you are as a dancer. Got it. That's deep, but that's real. Like, that's, that's, I'm like, that's not, I don't want to go so deep, but like no, that. No, can. I mean, I've just talked to so many different people and everybody has their own story. But like for people who have just kind of been like, I want to say program, but they've been doing it for so long. Pro programming. Some of my like little like sisters or friends, I'd be like, oh, you're in the matrix. So you're getting stuck in the matrix again. But just let people, you know, in terms of that programming, when they've been dancing since they were, you know, like maybe even as young as you started. And they've just been kind of in autopilot doing competitions or mm-hmm. training their whole life, knowing that mm-hmm. they were going to dance in college, knowing that they were going to, like, they kind of checked all the boxes, mm-hmm. but we haven't experienced, you know, Yourself. That kind of personally to know who you really are, what mm-hmm. you're expecting to dance. Like, you love it. You like, you enjoy what you're doing. It's not like you're completely just aimlessly wandering through it, exactly. but you haven't had that moment to yourself to really explore who, who you, you like. Exactly. So that, and that's what I was saying about earlier about what I mentor girls to do is literally discovering your unknown. Like, who are you? What is it that you are? Like, what is the unknown about you that you just don't know? Mm. Like, what is it that we need to like tap into? Because that's something that I'm constantly doing. And so it's been heavy on my heart for like the last like few years to do it and to help bridge that gap. Because I, I saw it so much with girls on teams more than my girls who my friends who are in the industry who've never been on a team they just knew they were they freestyle they could move freely they were just free and I was like wait I want that you know Mm. so when I did start seeking that that's when I knew the transition for me had to start I had to leave Mm -hmm. wow 
Well, that's so deep. And it's just touching on some other things that are on my mind about just like the mental programming that's associated with pro cheer and dance. That is just the reality. Mm-hmm. And everybody's drinking the Kool-Aid. I think when you're part of a team, you have it's to. It's great Kool-Aid. Okay. It's great <laughs> Kool-Aid. It's tasty yeah. when you're there. Yeah. But it definitely can be limiting if you don't challenge to think what else there could be. And obviously mm-hmm. you have to kind of play by the rules and, mm-hmm you know, all of that, but it's Mm -hmm. something that I wish wasn't so controlling because, you know, you have people that walk away from it and five, 10 years later are still dealing with that kind of like Mm -hmm. mentality of like second guessing yourself and like scared to do this, scared to think for yourself, to question things. And it's just, you're Mm -hmm. not free with it. Or they're never able to leave the box. Yeah. And I'm going to leave that there because I have friends who still have not been able to leave the box. They're not able to leave the matrix at all. And it's sad. It's sad. But I I don't want to judge people for that because I've been able to see the light and I've been able to break through. But I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a very hard because that that Kool-Aid is addicting. That lifestyle is addicting. And that's why I said, like, I think things are changing. You know, like I always talk to and I call them like my little sisters, my experience while being an NBA dancer is way different from the girls now on the same team that I was on. We had a calendar. We had a TV show. We were plastered all over. I was able to be the front, like the cover girl in the booklet. You know, like there's just different things that I was able to have that like touch of fame. Like we were doing way more photo shoots. We were doing a lot more publicity there's a lot more print and film and you know we were just put out there a lot more mm-hmm. now the focus is not on them as heavy so I that's why I always question like okay girl why are you here how long are you trying to be here what do you want to gain from it what experiences write those things down make sure you, it, you get what you need out of it because my experience of why I wanted to do it initially was different I wanted exposure and I got exposure Mm-hmm. You know, whereas now I don't believe that the girls get the same type of exposure. They get exposure, but it's not the same uh-huh. type. And I hate saying that they don't get it, but they just don't. The focus is not them completely like it used to be five, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. It's you true. Know? I mean, for people who are looking for certain aspects, I mean, I think it's just getting cut away slowly, but surely. It's uh, getting chopped away. Yeah. And so yeah. I think it's important for for individuals who do pursue that to know exactly what they want to get from the organization and know what organization they're attaching themselves to. Mm-hmm. You know, the Hawks are really big on diversity and inclusion. You know, they're really big on being true with Atlanta. So it's like, if those are the things that you're passionate about, then you need to be vocal about that. You know, if you're really big with autism, meet whoever's over diversity inclusion so you can run the autism campaigns you know what i mean like yeah, use yeah, the organization yeah. in the same capacity they're using you but so you can elevate yourself as well mm-hmm. because it is different yeah and it makes me think of um, looking at your bio again another impressive transition that you made and this is just you always just thinking brilliant <laughs> mind of yours but just um i love that you took your background in terms of what you studied in school and your corporate experience and you, I don't know if that was what your end game was, but just trying to have that transition in terms of doing work for the team so that you were actually 
utilizing your skill set and your expertise and also kind of building your own resume at the same time and showing what other things you have to offer to the team other than just dance and leadership as a captain. Can you talk about that? Yes. So I was able to work with the social media team. Um, But what's crazy is when I first became a captain, we had leadership, like crazy leadership training, which I'm so grateful for. For the captain. Because, um, yeah, we were having meetings, you know, with our boss, which was um, her title at the time was like a senior director of talent or senior director of entertainment. And then we all, we had meetings with her boss and then the VP along with all the other team leads within the fan experience, which is basically game ops. Um, so we had monthly meetings or, you know, oh, cool. meetings every other week um, and got leadership training. And what's crazy is now that I'm getting my MBA, the same type of articles and the same type of um, reads that we had to read for the leadership training I'm reading them in grad school. So I'm like, oh, wow, we were getting like intensive, you know, intensive. That they made available to you guys. Like I've never even heard of anything. I'm trying to think maybe there were like an NFL team or something of that nature that had like way more built out in terms of like women in leadership training and things like that. I think the um, Reds, well, the Washington football, they do that. That's amazing. I think that really really key because you know just to select somebody as captain and really not necessarily having true leadership skills and right and understand so i don't know if they still do that or not but i do know like my first year as a captain we did have that training and i i'm really appreciative of it because that honestly is what allowed me to network within corporate and it also allowed me to advocate for what i thought was wrong missing needed all of that and so that's why I was able to speak so much on our branding and then my coach came to me like hey girl how do you feel about since you're so passionate about it how do you feel about managing this and so when I managed the social media page I was already friends with the girl who ran the Hawks Instagram page so I would coordinate with her and say okay what are you all's marketing strategies what type of captions are you all using okay y'all are more urban so let me make sure that my captions reflect rap music captions you know making sure I'm using the same hashtags or when are you guys dropping this marketing campaign so we can drop the same you know marketing campaign for us Um, and honestly I took the page when I when I did have it I took the page from like 12,000 followers to 16k followers in a year wow and it, it wasn't because I was doing anything special. It was literally like a marketing strategy of where I was just trying to present the girls and our, 